Welcome back to The Jameson Files. I'm your host, Carrie Weber. Thank you so much for being with us and being a part of our Jameson Files community. However you may be participating in the community, I want to thank you for doing so. You may be watching us live on Facebook at this moment, or perhaps you're listening to us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're wondering how to find us, just search out The Jameson Files wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, or you can find us on YouTube or right here on the Jameson Facebook page. Um, we want to encourage you to invite your colleagues and peers to join us here in the Jameson community. Our goal is to bring you education, resources, experts on topics that are going to help you in your pursuit of your ideal practice vision or your ideal professional vision, wherever you are in your professional life. I am so pleased today to have uh, a colleague, a friend, an expert in her field, Catherine Itell Belt, is here with us to talk about an area that is probably always going to have a place of need for refinement, for development, for any of us that are uh, dental professionals or professionals in whatever career path you're in, especially when you are a leader in your career. Um, you know, for us in the dental community, you are likely finding yourself in what Catherine calls courageous conversations on the regular, whether that's with your patients or with your team or teammates. How we communicate, the effectiveness of how we communicate is something that we at Jameson have believed in the intentional development uh, for us in our careers. We believed in that from the very beginning. And that I think is where, Catherine, we connect on such a deep level is our belief in developing our communication skills and entering in these courageous conversations, uh, feeling more equipped so that we can have a successful conversation that is healthy and helps us all move forward. Uh, in whatever the scenario is. So Catherine, I want to thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, it's my honor. What a what a fun thing this is to come together with you, Carrie, and the Jameson uh, community, because I, I know your commitment for so long around uh, leadership and communication and the importance of that. I mean, everything happens through communication, everything. And so, you know, what could be more important than that? And we didn't come out of the womb, you know, knowing how to do this always at, our, at the highest level. Um, and most of us didn't take a class in school and most and many of us, um, you, I think, might have been an exception, but many of us didn't <laughs> learn it at home. We didn't have a great example at home. And so if we didn't, which is really common, and we didn't take a class in school, it's not surprising that we're now sort of in the middle of a team uh, and an industry, um, a community where um, people have just come to this sort of helter skelter and they're doing the best they can. And it just turns out that there's a simple, uh, fairly straightforward and easy way to upgrade these skills and get a lot better results really quickly. So uh, I, like you guys, um, we're on a mission to spread this word that there it, there are some systematic ways you can approach these hard conversations or what we've or what we've in the past deemed as hard conversations that can actually go much easier and surprisingly enough you can actually get to a place where you look forward 
to those conversations. It's very hard to, to believe uh, in the beginning, but it's true that you can actually welcome them because you know you have some skills that will will likely lead this conversation to success. So, Absolutely. yeah, that's... And, you know, Catherine, I, boy, are we in a season where we both believe that how we, you know, our communication skills are a pivotal piece to relationships, to mm -hmm. um, team building, to the relationships with our patients. But now more than ever, I feel like um, the ability or inability to communicate is making such a difference one way or another for practices and practice leaders. Are, are you finding that as well? For sure. Um, I think we're societally in that space. Uh, just turn on the news and you'll see, you know, most people struggling to have a civil, respectful, successful conversation when their um, perspectives differ or their opinions differ. So we're surrounded by it, even in our society, certainly in our industry and at a local level with our community, uh, with our practices and with our families. And so um, this, there couldn't be a better time to give this a little attention. Um, here's some statistics. You know, a lot of, we talk to a lot of people that say, yeah, well, I know it's important, but you know, I've got to really work on my scheduling systems or I've got to work on my insurance um, billing systems. And of course, all those are important to practice, to running a successful practice. I, it, it seems as though they often pigeonhole um, conflict resolution skills or, or these courageous conversation skills is sort of a soft skill. It's kind of nice mm. to have, but not essential. But we have found some research that really shines a light on uh, how taking care of this and giving this training to your teammates actually has a direct effect on the bottom line. So one of the studies that we looked at showed that most employees in the United States, the vast majority, are spending anywhere up to four hours a week either thinking about conflict, you know, worrying about it, um, being agitated by someone or actively embroiled in the actual conflict, um, which adds up to two weeks a year. So if you multiply that across all the employees you have, I mean, what would it look like if you could get two weeks of productivity back yeah. from every employee in your practice where those thoughts were not on conflict, they were not on worrying about it or actually having the argument, but they were actually dedicating those hours thinking about their job performance, thinking about creative solutions to the challenges in the practice, to interfacing with your patients at a high level. So it's robbing us of productivity. That's number one. But it gets worse. Also, managers, it said, were spending 40% of their time um, helping others on the team to solve issues that they should be able to solve themselves. So imagine two weeks a year per employee plus 40% of your manager's time back in terms of productivity. I think that has a direct effect on the bottom line. So, and most of it is just that they just don't have the simple skills. That's all. It's a really easy fix uh, if we can get these skills to our, I think at first our leadership level and then ultimately to the entire team. Mm -hmm. I, I could not agree 
more wholeheartedly with you because um, it, it does start at that leadership level that just mirroring the behavior and the way that communi healthy communication looks is such a powerful training tool really in helping others on your team learn this is, this is how healthy communication takes place in this work culture that we're a part of. Um, but also we hear it time and time again, doctors, practice managers, that really it's not the dentistry that's burning them out. It's not the work that they've chosen to do uh, clinically that's burning them out. It's, it's the drama. It's the conflict. Yeah. It's the management. It's, um, it's those interpersonal aspects of the work that you cannot avoid. <laughs> you just, you can't. And so not have, being equipped and having the tools to, to build a practice culture that makes room for healthy communication and then engaging in that type of healthy communication, um, that is the most draining, the most stressful, and one of the, the key elements of burnout that our doctors and practice leaders um, typically come to you or come to us <laughs> suffering from on a regular basis. So, Catherine, yeah. tell me some of the tools, perhaps, that you have are there some certain aspects that we could touch on today for those that maybe this is ringing their bell? They're saying, yes, this is, this is the hard part. This is what I struggle with. I am doing way more than four hours a week worrying about these conflicts. What are, what are some of those tools that you encourage uh, people to work on? Well, you, you uh, opened the door to this beautifully. Um, I would say that really depends on your position. So if you are an owner, the first tool that you have, and I know um, uh, at Jameson Management, you guys do a lot of um, assisting owners with their visioning process and their, and, you know, determining their values. But, and I, and I know their coaches give a lot of, um, play to this topic. And sometimes I think it falls on, on deaf ears like, oh yeah, we've been down that road. But let me just really um, tightly tie it to, to creating the culture that is fun to walk into, is um, operating at a really mature, high, highly mature level. Um, imagine what life would feel like. Imagine what work would feel like if that was the case. So that starts with the, in, in my opinion, that starts with the owner or owners claiming a vision, a cultural vision of how we are going to be on this ride together and making an invitation to the team to come on board this train and where it's going and how we're going to behave on the journey to this destination. So we have to set that culture for people um, communicating at, it's, it's really a standard. It's like a standard. We have, as an owner, we have to say, um, you can work anywhere you choose, especially in today's market. You can work anywhere you choose. If you want to accept our invitation to work here, and we hope you will, uh, we want you to know what you're signing on for. What you're signing on for is a high expectation that all of us from the top down um, will commute, will learn the skills we need to communicate at a really high and very mature level, which means we handle our uh, disagreements. We state um, effectively what we need and why. 
um, we collaborate together at a very high level and we're all coming into conversations um, expecting the best of each other, um, uh, anticipating finding great solutions and, you know, and collaborating at that level. So uh, that's the expectation and that's the invitation. Now, owners may need to look to a level of management to provide those skills. So Carrie, I always say that when people aren't doing what we want them to do, it most of the time comes down to four reasons. Uh, and they're really, I like to come at the um, disconnect in results and behavior uh, in this order. So the first one is I ask myself, are they clear? So someone's not doing or performing, you know, how I would like them to. They're not doing something I, I need them to do. And so I ask myself, are they clear about the expectation? Are they clear about what I'm needing? And often we think we've been clear, but the really the only way we know is if that person can, you know, repeat it back to us uh, in a way that we find correct. So unless we've tested it, we really don't know if they have clarity around the, the ask. Uh, this, if they're clear, then the second piece is, are they trained? Do they have the skills? So a lot of times an owner or and or leadership team can make the cultural expectation, the cultural standard of growth and um, uh, high level communication, you know, mature communication really clear. And someone could repeat it back that if you work on our team, that's the expectation. We solve our own issues. And when we can't solve our issues and we take it to management, um, we're prepared for them to ask us what we've already done. What have we already tried, um, right. you know, and to be open. So if they can state that back, then we have to ask ourselves, have we given them the tools? Have, and most practices haven't. Um, and it's okay. You're, you are where you are, but you can get them and you can get them really, really quickly. So, but let's say they're clear and they're trained, but we still aren't getting what we need. The next one I always look at is, are they capable? Do they have either the intellect to do this task? Do they have the physical capability to do this task? Um, are they capable? And, and so in this case, sometimes do they have the emotional stability to do this task? Um, and if it's yes, yes, and yes to those three, then we come to, are they willing? You know, there are people who don't agree that this is the way to go. They don't agree that, um, the, and so they they basically dig in their heels and they do something different just because they aren't uh, they aren't willing to do it our way. And so, but often we go straight to are they willing? And before we check, are they clear? Are they trained? You know, have I from a from a leadership standpoint have I checked those boxes? Uh, and given them every chance to be successful before we get to the are they willing conversation. So so that's, I think, really helpful from a, from an ownership and leadership. We have to set this vision. And and if you want your people to um, not get stuck in their mistakes and and not to um, to move past mistakes, then we have to model we have to model everything we want. And so imagine an owner standing before their team saying, you know, uh, it occurs to me that until now, um, I've been operating at one level of leadership and one level of clarity about what I need and want. Um, and 
I've been frustrated. I've been frustrated with how we're behaving. I've been frustrated with how we're communicating and how we're operating as a team. And I realize that all of that points back to me. And so starting today, I want you to know I take full responsibility. And, and from this day forward, I'm no longer um, going to ignore um, participate in, tolerate, uh, pretend. Uh, I'm going to state what I need. I'm going to give training for the skills we need uh, to do it. And I'm going to step into a whole new level of leadership. I'm no longer going to be frustrated. I'm not taking it home to my family. I'm not going to walk around here where you all know I'm frustrated. I'm not going to do that anymore. We're going to be real clear up front. And I apologize if, you know, for the past, I, I own it. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that I, I take responsibility for it. And starting today, um, I'm stepping into a whole new level of leadership. So I want to clarify for you all today um, how this is going to look going forward and the training I'm going to provide for it and the commitment I have to it. When someone stands up and, and claims a vision, like a cultural vision like that, yes. the, the, it's amazing what the team will forgive. It's amazing what they will step into this, this yes. sort of new future. And it's really amazing. And, you know, I think that vulnerability and transparency on a leader's um, part is really, uh, well, we say around here, it's sexy, but, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. But I think it's essential if you want your people to be transparent. And if you want them to, you've got to model what that looks like, that we can still be strong and still acknowledge that we're on the journey too. So that's one for owners. Um, for managers, that's such a tough position. You're in that sandwich position. You've got someone to report, an owner to report to, but you also have this team that's looking to you for guidance. And um, I think we've promoted a lot of people into team leadership positions because they were a good hygienist or they were a good assistant or a good administrator. And we put them, we promote them based on their clinical skills into these positions, but these positions require a whole new set of skills and we often don't give them the tool. I think we lose a lot of great, who could be great managers and great leaders um, because we don't equip them with the skills and they become frustrated. So I would say they're, you know, teaching them a system, not only to, not only to deal with conflict, but to teach conflict. Um, Often what we find with office managers is they're the door everyone walks into to complain and groan and, you know, whine. And, and um, there's a lot of that. It becomes very exhausting for a manager. So we want to give the work back to our people. And we train managers um, to hand that work gently back to where it belongs so that they're actually committed to growing their people. And again, if that's been claimed in a visionary statement that what we're going to be focused on is everyone growing their skills, then uh, we're able to hand that work back to them. Not, not to say, don't come to me again, but to say, okay, what I want to do is coach you uh, on how you can begin to resolve this instead of me resolving it for you. So it's, you know, giving the man a fish versus teaching them to fish, right? It's that right, same idea. Right. Um, so that becomes more of coaching skills. And for frontline people and anyone really, uh, we have a system, we have a four-step well, actually, I would say broadly looking at it, it's two parts. One is mindset and the second is skill set. And within mindset, there are three tools that we that we use for helping to recognize where we are with our mindset and shifting to a stronger one. 
And uh, then in the skill set, we have a four-step process for the actual conversation. And we're really happy that they're simple because in conflict in particular, if you've got a 17-step process, you're not going to remember it. You're, you're barely going to remember the four steps. So <laughs> that's um, right. We, we need it to be simple, you know, and I'm happy to share those if you want to explore those a little bit. But, you know, it comes down to, um, it, as you know, Carrie, leadership yes. and communication is an inside out job. And so we have to yes. start with our own mindset, even though we feel like it's if they would just stop doing this or if they would start doing that. Um, it always our fingers are always pointed out in conflict, always. Yeah. But usually the gold in this is here inside here. So um, that's where we start first. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think so much of what you, you said is, is so spot on. And um, I loved your statement of saying, you know, we want to be about the business of creating a mature culture um, that mm -hmm. we, that, you know, we want to be intentionally building that. And um, often what you find is that, the readiness comes even without the skills yet because owners or the leaders, they recognize yeah. they're stuck in something, but they avoid these conversations either number mm -hmm. one, because they don't know how to enter into them or they feel like the behaviors or the issues or whatever have been allowed for so long that there's a fear of how this is going to be received by the team. And the picture yep. you just painted is so perfect in terms of we must, as leaders, set expectations clearly. No, And today is good. Now is good to, to do this. And from this point forward, you have a standard, as you said, you have a standard to hold people accountable from. Um, so the, the past is the past. And yeah. from this point forward, here's where we're going. Here's what's expected. Here's how we all are going to be measured uh, in terms of how we work together, how we perform, how we communicate, everything else. And I love your steps of are they clear? Are they trained? Are they capable? Are they willing? And, and how it is a building block. And if, if doctors or leaders are afraid, do I even have anything that I'm standing on right now that is something I need to engage in a conversation about? Just walking through those questions helps you know where to land and what needs to be done, what decisions need to be made or, or what steps need to be taken. And I think that was just so beautifully communicated. So, um, you know, Catherine, perhaps maybe give us a little bit, you know, in terms of the mindset piece, what you mean by that, and then tell us where they can find, anyone that's listening could find information to, to dig deeper on okay. the steps that you work on um, with leaders and, yeah. and, and team members. Yeah. Well, imagine if you could, um, uh, if you could, if you could teach your team and yourself how to step on to, well, first, how to recognize what emotional platform you're standing on when you go to speak into conflict. Um, and if it isn't a strong emotional platform, how to get yourself onto one before you speak. So uh, we use this um, idea of the flow. It's one of our three core principles in mindset. And we have people imagine a river 
that represents all the good things in their life, all the love they want, all the money they want, all the, um, you know, relationships, all the promotions, all the good health, everything good in their life that they want, uh, all the great employees they want to work for them or great bosses they want to work for. It's all there, all the patients, you know. Um, and so I ask people when you're in those moments in life where life is really working out, the kids are doing well, you've you pay your bills and there's money left over in the checkbook and you know the team's working pretty well together and yet life is working pretty well how do you feel and they'll say oh i feel you know content or i feel successful i feel um happy and but i say also would you agree that it's in those spaces that we feel the most generous we feel the most forgiving uh we feel um the most optimistic uh you know that's a place where that we feel that way and then i want i have them imagine on the sides of that are muddy banks around this river and the muddy banks of course represent the opposite the times in life where we go to pay the bills and there's not enough money in the checkbook or we can't find the people we need to work for us um, or, you know, those hard times. And, and so I ask people how they feel. We've all been in those times. How do we feel there? And they'll say, you know, it's the, it's the opposite. I feel frustrated. I feel maybe angry, um, but I certainly don't feel as generous. I feel actually a sense of worry and lack um, and I scarcity, you know, uh, I feel pessimistic, I feel um, vulnerable and all these things. So I ask people, if you were getting ready to use our, our four step framework to, to enter into a conversation you really want to have with someone, can do you can you see how if you're in the mud, if you're on that muddy bank where you're feeling pessimistic, frustrated, angry, all those things, um, how the conversation might be different, even if you use the framework, then if first you recognized you were in the mud, you moved yourself, you had the ability to move yourself into that flow, into a place where you felt more optimistic, um, less frustrated, you felt more um, benevolent and forgiving um, and confident, you know, really confident. Um, when you spoke from there and used the framework from there, do you think the conversations would be different? And of course, all audiences we talk to or teams that we work with say, of course. And I say, well, then that's your first step. I could give you the framework first. The framework's really simple, surprisingly simple. But if you use it from the mud, it's not going to work. And you're going to blame the framework. And it's not the framework. Every time it will be you, you recognize learning. This is like mindfulness. It's mindfulness. Yes. It's mindfulness of our state before we enter into this conversation. And, you know, we're not always taking the conversation to someone. Sometimes the conversation is marching down the hallway at us, shaking its finger at us, saying, I want to talk to you today before I go home, you know. And mm -hmm. sometimes the conversation lands in our lap. Either way, a really good communicator is going to internally check in immediately eternally internally check in am i in the mud am i in the flow and or you could call it it's just those are just uh it's just a metaphor for this emotional yeah <laughs> and um and and so that's part of uh, the other pieces are um 
always, always asking yourself, what's my piece of this? What is what piece of this is my responsibility? Because there always is. Um, either we've missed something, we've been ignoring something, we've been tolerating something, we've been participating in something. Um, we haven't had the skills to date to be able to do this. There's a piece of this that belongs to us. There's something we haven't been able to date to make clear. Um, and when you own your piece, the whole conversation is different and better. It doesn't mean you own the whole thing. It just means you're always asking yourself, what piece of this is mine? Um, and that's that. That's going into the conversation, making sure you're not speaking from a victim mentality. What piece do I own? Um, and how can I stand in that so that we can both come from a place of contribution? So that's one. Um, and then flow is second. And then third is um, we just have people begin to understand that we're all operating on um, what we call BS, uh, which stands for belief systems. But it's about the same as everybody thinks that word means because <laughs> it's because it's all made up. You know, belie our beliefs are all we make up a story. So everything that happens to us is neutral. The thing is neutral, but we give it meaning. And the rub is that we don't all give the same meaning to the to the same neutral event. So uh, lots of examples of that. But the short story is really good communicators know, know first of all, know that they're, they're up, they have their own set of beliefs about what's good or bad or right or wrong or possible or impossible. But the other person's beliefs may be different. And so when you recognize that, number one, that's helpful. And secondly, um, really good communicators know how to poke some holes or challenge their current beliefs. And what that helps us do is ferret out what limiting beliefs are we holding? So, for example, if you say, well, I'd like to talk to that person, but, you know, she never gets it and she never will. That's a so when you get a, an awareness that, oh, I just recognized I'm holding a belief. I wonder, is there any evidence that she's changed in any other facet of her work? Is there any evidence that maybe if I came at it differently, she might offer a different response? Um, is there something that I could learn that could change the way she interacts with me? Um, that's somebody recognizing they have a belief around this and poking some holes in it. and how you poke holes in it is you ask yourself really good questions, really interesting questions. So one of the things I'd love to offer to your community, um, we have a list of powerful questions and powerless questions. And um, we've been we've been combining this list for decades and we just added something recently to it. So we're always adding what is a really powerful question we could ask ourselves and others that would really further a rich conversation, uh, either internally with ourselves or externally with others. So I'm happy to share that list and have people put it up in their team rooms and, you know, think about how they can recognize their beliefs and sort of bring down the walls of delimiting beliefs because it's on the other side of those walls. You know, if you if you think you already have the answer to a question, you stop asking the question. But when you start poking holes in that solid belief, uh, sometimes there's opportunities, resources, ideas uh, on the other side of that belief that you would never have access to unless you started 
asking some different questions. So, so those are some of the mindset uh, pieces that we train on. And like I said, then we introduce our four-step framework for actually having the conversation. And another tool I'm glad to share, because I know we have limited time. I mean, we teach this in, you know, a multi-day workshop, but um, so 30 minutes is just a, a you know, just a really a quick conversation about the power of it. But, um, but we have a, we call it our um, support sheet, our courageous conversation support sheet. And on the left, it has these three pieces of mindset shifting. And on the right, it has the four step conversation framework. Um, and I'm happy to share that with your uh, listeners and viewers. Um, I think it's a tool that literally could change the world. It can change conversations at an industry level. It can change conversations at a team level and it can change conversations around your dinner table. Um, the skills are exactly the same. Um, and uh, I'm writing a book on this right now and I'm just, I'm really on a mission um, to bring these skills to the world. Cause I think it could, I think it absolutely positively impact our world today if we could communicate uh, better in conflict. Catherine, so much great information. And I know, you know, I could listen to you for days uh, speak and share. And I know others are listening saying, what's the framework? Or how do I find the questions she's talking about? So could you share with everyone listening um, how they can reach out to you to receive these very generous gifts you're offering or to learn more about the courses that you teach for those deeper dives into communication? Absolutely. So the best way to get the um, uh, powerful questions and the support, the courageous conversations support sheet is just to send us an email at info at lionspeak.net. Don't go to .com because that's a winery. So if you want wine, go there. But if you want uh, courageous conversations, help come to lion, L-I-O-N, speak, S-P-E-A-K dot net, info at um, and just uh, put a courageous conversation support sheet and questions and Kelly will get that out to you right away uh, and use it. Put it up in your team room. You, know, you use it at a team meeting. Talk to your team about it. Um, really simple, but I think it can be um, profound in how uh, teams communicate together. Uh, if you're interested in taking a deeper dive, we do have a workshop, a Courageous Conversations virtual workshop. Our next one is uh, in January of 22. Uh, it's the 18th through the 20th, and we have um, it three hours each morning. And so we learn mindset the first uh, morning, uh, skill set the second morning. And the third morning, we um, just dedicate to, I do some demonstration. I let the group bring their biggest challenges and I step into their voice and sort of prove that even though I don't know exactly what they're going to say, I don't know exactly what the issue is, which is how it is in real life. Uh, I want to prove that you don't have to, that the framework, you can trust it. And so I demonstrate uh, several times and then we put them into their own practice in some breakout rooms and give them some, you know, a chance to kind of work out the work out their comfort level with it before they take it back to their team. So uh, we'd love to have you um, if you're interested. Again, you can find those dates uh, and registration on our website, lionspeak.net. 
Um, and we have other workshops. We have a train the trainer workshop. So if your company is big enough to have internal trainers, uh, I know we brought some of this work to Jameson uh, Management and a lot of your trainers have come through. But I'm finding that some dental practices, especially if they have multi-locations, they are developing their own internal team and they need some training skills, how to teach their protocols. Let's say they are a Jameson client and they're using your protocols and systems to improve the practice. Uh, they've got to train, they've got to onboard new people, they've got to keep going back to their departments and training. And so we give them not content, but how do they take their current content and train it at a higher level so people really get mastery quicker with it. So uh, that workshop is coming up in December. It's December 7th and 8th and also virtual for that level one course. So um, yeah, just check the website out and you can see those courses. You know, we don't, we no longer do practice management, but we really um, love contributing to the communication piece of uh, how businesses run and how people get better. Uh, perfect resources, Catherine. Thank you so much. Uh, I, you know, they are such building block opportunities. I do encourage any of you that are listening, I hope you jotted that down, info at lionspeak.net to request the resources that Catherine's so generously offering and visit their website at lionspeak.net to learn more about the courses and workshops that Catherine provides, as well as other products and resources that may be available to you there. Uh, we fully agree with Catherine that one of the biggest pillars that you can that you need to and must invest time and effort into is your that pillar of communication uh, for you with your team for you with your patients, and as Catherine said, for you at the dinner table. <laughs> you, you won't regret it. It's time well spent. We've invested time in, with, with Catherine, and it was time well spent for us, and I know it'll be the same for you. So Catherine, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us here at the Jameson Files. It was my pleasure. And thanks to all of you for being with us. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Until then, be well. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Jameson Files. Visit us online at jmsn.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Do you have questions or topics you'd like for us to answer or cover on the next podcast? Email us at podcast at jmsn.com.